Good morning, listeners. This is Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their career or those who might be in transition or maybe feeling stuck so that they may have access to career stories of other folks who are either just starting out or maybe established in their careers so that they can recognize maybe themselves in some of these stories and that they don't have to have it all figured out. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking with Abby Garino, which is the daughter of my good friend, Cami Garino, which happened to be interview in episode number five. So welcome, Abby. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, thank you. I'm so excited. You know, I've uh, been finding with this podcast series, it's been so fun to interview uh, my friends who have, you know, been established in their careers. And then as they've talked about that, their their kids have are at this point of just starting out. So it's been great to do a family. You know, I did your mom and then I did your brother, Danny, and now I'm doing you. So this is very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Okay, so uh, Abby, we're going to start out with um, uh, some icebreaker questions. And um, so tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how many siblings you have, where you are in the birth order, and kind of how you think that might have uh, influenced you. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Centennial, Colorado, which is like 20 minutes south of Denver. It's usually easy to refer to Denver. Most people know that. Yeah. (laughs) Centennial, not as well known. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I have three siblings and I'm the oldest out of the four of us. Okay. Yeah. So I think somebody actually asked me this the other day, like, do I think that influences what I'm doing and what I've done? And I think subconsciously it kind of does. I mean, being the oldest, I feel like I should set a good example for my siblings, um, and maybe that's influenced me being more adventurous and like trying new things. But I don't know. I love being the oldest, even though there's definitely things that when you think about it are a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you don't know any different, right? Because exactly who you are. Yeah. I'm the second. Uh, I'm the middle child. So okay. I don't know any different than being the middle child. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. And um, I probably should have said initially that you are a grad student at the Teachers College at Columbia right now. That is very true. Very true. So being (laughs) a grad student, um, I'm guessing that you do a lot of reading, um, but that's for school. Do you have any other reading preferences? Um, So like what are your favorite uh, types of books? Yeah, so usually I read a lot of like the self-help type books. I know there's a different term for them and I'm just forgetting it. Um, But I recently joined like book of the month club. So I've been getting random fiction type books, which has been really cool to mix up my very academic reading. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You got to take a break from that. Yeah. So right now I'm looking right now, I'm reading a book called wild game by Adrian Broder, Brodner. (laughs) I don't know. So I don't, I usually don't read fiction, but I've been enjoying reading something a little bit different. Hmm. Yeah. And do you play an instrument or a sport? Uh, I played soccer. I'm still, I just moved here like a week and a half ago to New York. So I'm still trying to find a place to play. Um, but I've been running. And then I sang in college <laughs> in an acapella group, um, but haven't done much of that since. So. Oh, so you got some musical talent as well as some athletic abilities, plus uh, going to a, a 
university, uh, well, going to Columbia University, I was assuming there's some some brain power there as well. You got all, all that going for you. <laughs> Thanks. I like to think so. <laughs> well, and then what languages do you speak? So I speak English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Wow. Yeah. And the Portuguese kind of threw me there. Yeah. So I learned that last year when I was living in and working in Brazil. Um, Spanish I had studied in high school and college and then had an opportunity to go to Brazil and was able to do some of that, which was really cool. Wow. Well, I can't wait to dive more into that. I got two more questions to wrap up our icebreakers here. Um, so if you look at yourself on a fun meter, one being not so fun and five being kind of off the charts, life <laughs> of the party, where do you put yourself on the fun meter? Oh, that's a fun question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I give myself a three. I mean, I like to do like go out and do interesting things, but I definitely like my time to just chill um, and not be the life of the party over the top. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, like a, an extroverted introvert. An ex okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I would put myself in a similar category of an extroverted yeah. introvert. <laughs> But I think I put myself more on the four or five, but okay, fair probably enough. a four for me, but not the five. Cause I don't have to be the life of the party, but I, I certainly like to have fun at parties. So I get that. Uh, so let's see, let's talk about taking risk on the risk meter. Where are you in terms of a one into a five, five being the most risk taking? I'll give myself a good four on this one. I think I don't give myself enough credit for taking a good amount of risks. Yeah, living you know? in Brazil. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So I've moved out of the country more than once. I've I moved to New York, which for a lot of people is a lot. It's been a big adjustment for me, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I'll give myself a four. I risks have become more normalized in a good way. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing some background there. That helps us kind of understand a little bit more about the foundation of. Uh, Abby Garino. So let's talk a little bit more about where you are today. Um, and then a little bit about how did you get here? So currently you are a grad student at the Teachers College at Columbia University. So what is that like? What you just started that, right? Yeah, so I'm like a full week in now. We started school last Wednesday. Um, and it's it's good. It's a good amount of reading, like you said, mm -hmm. um, which I expected coming in. But it's exciting for me to be back into the educational environment, to be learning new things. Um, and in a field that I'm pretty sure I'm, I feel really good about being in. So, yeah. And yeah. so since it's a teacher's college, did you always know you wanted to be a teacher? Get, kind of take us back to how you got to where you are today, which is back to, you know, kind of your high school or maybe even younger than that. Did you have this, oh, here's, I know what I want to do, or is this something that has evolved over time? Definitely evolved. Um, I feel like for a while, I've actually been very um, resistant to the idea of being in education and teaching, and I don't really have a reason why. Um, but I, <laughs> it's really odd. I mean, studying languages through high school and really enjoying that, I feel like the automatic reaction of a lot of people is, oh, so you want to teach. And for me, maybe I said I just don't like being boxed in. I don't know, but I was like, no, I don't think so. I'll do something else with language. Um, so I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> um, 
So in undergrad, I ended up studying Spanish. I went in thinking it would be a minor, but I just really, I've always loved studying Spanish. I've always loved studying language. Um, so I studied that in psychology, kind of just in case I changed my mind on the Spanish or to have like a backup plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I graduated undergrad, it was the classic, well, what am I going to do now? And with that background, teaching abroad was a really viable option since I had Spanish as a base to work on and I could work in Southern, like South American countries. So the ideal plan was to teach with Fulbright. So I applied to work in Uruguay and I didn't get it, um, which was a bummer, but then I found plan B options and ended up finding English opens doors and teaching for a semester in Chile. So that was like my first step out of undergrad. Yeah. So, um, so my first question, I have several questions here mm-hmm. because this is just fascinating. What What is it about language that just gives you such a rush? I think I get really excited about language. So um, I think it's the fact that there's so much more to just the words or whatever you're learning. So there's the culture, there's the people, and there's the opportunity to connect with others and really understand where they're coming from. That for me is huge. Um like being able to understand somebody from another culture and then really see that they're another human. And there's a lot of similarities between these cultures in different places is what I love the most. Wow. Well, then that makes total sense on why you had to get out of the United States, right? You had to (laughs) go to where the language was being spoken to so you could really get the people. Yeah, for sure. And I had studied abroad in undergrad in Spain and I enjoyed it. But then there was all of South America, which is a totally different Spanish speaking area that I knew nothing about and I was dying to learn more about. So it was a perfect opportunity. Okay, I'm going to have to change your risk meter. I think you're right. You definitely um, underestimate yourself. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go with a six or a seven. Uh, Yeah, it's Spain. You're in Spain for your undergrad and then you go to South America. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So. when you, you mentioned the Fulbright, I'm not sure that I'm familiar. I've heard that term and um, I, I know it's a kind of a prestigious, is it a school? Is it a program or? So it's a U.S. government grant um, for, they have different kinds of programs, but mine was the English teaching assistant grant um, where you go and you work in a school. It depends on the country, what kind of school you'll be working in. And part of your job is to be an assistant and the other part is to find a way to like engage with students and engage with your community. Oh, okay. And then you said you applied for that, but you didn't get it. And right. So it was kind of a roundabout way. I ended up did, I did do a Fulbright. That's what I was doing in Brazil. Um, But my initial attempt was I got a rejection. (laughs) So that was like a good learning point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I knew after not getting it that I really, really wanted it because I applied again, obviously, um, and was really happy to be granted it for Brazil. And it was, it was really exciting. (laughs) Well, that is a great learning experience because, you know, it's, we don't always get what we want. Right. Uh, And, uh, but you, you do have, but you learn from that, right? And Mm -hmm. what you learned is what you wanted it even more than you thought, right? Mm -hmm. So next thing you know, you find another opportunity where you can uh, apply for that. So you didn't get it in the, in one particular uh, country initially, but then you got it for another country. Is that how that worked? Yes, yeah, so I had to reapply. Um, whole new essay, whole new everything. Um, but I don't know. I like to think that things work out for a reason, right? Because if I was in Uruguay, I wouldn't have been learning Portuguese. 
Um, the timing was perfect. Like this was a special extension of the program that was rolled out right when I'd be getting back from Chile. And where I ended up being placed was perfect for me. The people that I met were amazing. So I, I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because our, our paths go different directions and you never mm-hmm. know where they're going to go. Right. Yeah. So how long were you down there? Cause so give us kind of a, a, a rundown then of how that all played out. Okay. So let's give a timeline here. So I graduated undergrad in May of 2017. I went to Chile in July of 2017 and was there through November. And then in 2018, in February, I went to Brazil and then I was there through November of 2018. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been about a year and a half out of the U.S. And so you were then teaching, um, teaching English then as a, the, you know, a language for them. So you had to know their language in order to convert it to English or? Yeah. So that was really tricky. <laughs> um, when I arrived, I had very minimal Portuguese. I, I bought a textbook with the ideal of learning and teaching myself fully before I left, which we all know doesn't always happen, usually doesn't happen. <laughs> um, so I was really living life in Spanish, Portuguese, and English all in one day because my roommate was um, from Colombia. So I would be speaking Spanish with her at home, speaking English at the university, and then outside of the university trying to pick up my Portuguese. <laughs> wow. Well, and it, Portuguese is pretty similar to Spanish or so it's easy to pick up or I say that and I don't I can't do either (laughs) (laughs) no it's all right so I mean I could understand a lot when I first got there like but I couldn't respond what was that was crazy frustrating for me um because it sounds a lot like Spanish but then I had no idea how to articulate things because it's different pronunciation different like structure all the above Mm -hmm. yeah Okay, so then you you're fully immersed in all these languages doing and doing what you love or were you like, you know, this is cool, but um, there's still more I want to learn. So is that what kind of brought you back to the U.S. or are you just back here for a stint so you can go back? (laughs) Fair question. Um, So I was trying to really solidify if I enjoyed teaching. And the cool thing about being in Brazil is I was working at a university level, whereas in Chile I worked elementary through high school. And I, I mean, I liked, I love my students in Chile, but I didn't find that clicking fit with my younger students. So with the university, it was cool to be interacting with students that were older, um, even though I wasn't the one directly teaching, right? I was the assistant helping the professor. But that was a lot of what I was trying to figure out. Um, and I found I really didn't enjoy it. And I was surprised by how much I liked the creativity of working at the university level and it kind of got me thinking well maybe professor could be a thing I could do and the other part of why I'm studying what I'm studying is a lot of the professors that I worked with had studied applied linguistics um, for their master's and PhD so I started looking into that and felt like it would be a really really good fit for me. Ah and then did this um did the Fulbright, Fulbright grant then kind of expire and then that brought you back or you just started looking at, well, if, if now I'm going to go down this new path, I need to come back in order to start, uh, you know, in September at the, at the teacher's college. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was ending. 
I felt, I've always felt that I wanted to continue my education. I really missed school, which sounds really silly, but I love learning. I miss the reading, I miss the researching. And with the idea that I maybe want to be in like academia, which is still a maybe, granted like is my uh, indecision with being a teacher or not. But um, I thought that it would be the most positive next step that would bring me a little bit closer towards what I'll end up doing. I mean, no decision is going to be perfect, which I had to keep telling myself, like, if I'm 80% sure of what I'm doing, I'm good with that. And I felt 80% sure that going to grad school, doing applied linguistics would be the next step. So that is what got me here. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting point is how do you make decisions at this point? Um, Do you find that you're a, um, you know, I've I've heard people break decisions into it's into your head, your heart or your gut. Mm-hmm. Do you use one of the three more than the others? I think my heart and my gut, I, if I get in my head too much, it's it's just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's definitely the logical part of what I'm saying, right? The 80%. Because if, yeah. if I don't have like some sort of marker, I go crazy. Because if it's all heart and I'm not 100% in, then I'll never make a decision. So I, I think it's a, a healthy combination of both, but mostly the heart and the gut. <laughs> the heart and the gut. Okay. Yeah. So now that you're in grad school, uh, what do you think? What's what's your time frame now? Is it uh, is this a two year program? Yes, it's two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then when you're finished, are you thinking PhD or or, or you'll make that decision at that time? I think I'm going to make the decision at that time. For me now, I'm like, okay, as long as I, if I don't feel burnout and I think this could be a viable option, and the plan is to definitely talk to some professors that I have now since I do have access to the people that I could end up being eventually, um, to kind of suss that out and see how I feel about it. But it's definitely an option. Mm -hmm. Definitely depends on how I feel after this, (laughs) though. But right now it feels really good. Right now it feels really good. I'm really happy to be back in school. Very cool. Very mm-hmm. cool. So if you had, um, if you could really design your dream job, do you have one in mind or is that what you, part of what this two years is going to be about too? Is, is kind of crafting, well, what is that, uh, the dream job? I think it's part crafting and part kind of being open to what could work and I think also so my dad he's in real estate and he's always saying to me you know it's really great to have like multiple sources of income which is a really cool thing to be hearing from your dad um Mm -hmm. and it's something that I think about a lot because I could you know I could teach and I could I've, I've definitely thought about like doing um what is it called like travel planning like planning trips for people or going on trips with people and being like the language liaison and having that be part of my life um I have a lot of interest too so finding a way to incorporate those and not be um I don't know what I'm trying to say here like professionally I want to find a way to make money and really enjoy it but I also want to find other ways to bring an income in or be able to like engage in things that I'm interested in yeah so this this um travel abroad international experience that you had probably got a bug started for the travel and oh then my gosh. <laughs> and then your whole passion around getting people and culture etc i mean you would bring a lot to um 
you know, a, an environment where you're helping people understand or, or go to these places. <laughs> so it's not yeah. just seeing the touristy things. It's really kind of getting what that, uh, what that uh, city or culture or their history is all about. That would be really cool. Yeah, I would love to do that. I got to do it once with my parents. Um, and it was cool because my dad had never really been out of the country besides going on vacation with our family. And he came to visit me in Chile. And I saw him experience what I had experienced and like sharing that feeling of what it means to me with him was, I mean, it was priceless. It was amazing. So I would love to bring that to other people as well. Oh yeah. It sounds like you have a, a gift or a way of doing that, that um, is more than just the, the tourist track. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I Very try. Cool. Very cool. So when you look back at your, your life and making this decision, kind of who or what has inspired you? Hmm. I think, I mean, I feel like a lot of people will say their family or their parents, um, but I really would say my parents are a huge thing for me. My, I mean, their story professionally has been really interesting to watch. Like my dad has been very open about how he completely did a 180 switching his careers um, to find what really fit him. So he went from being a CPA to being a real estate investor. And my mom has gone through career transitions as well. I'm sure people could listen back to her podcast, but uh -huh. <laughs> um, she went from being a guidance counselor to work. She was a mom, stay at home mom for a while, got back into being assistant principal and now has her own business. So I think seeing my parents change throughout the professional career gives me a little bit less anxiety yeah. about, you know, like what I was saying with like 80%, I'm pretty sure I'm going in the right direction and I'm going to do my best to follow what seems right and what feels right. But knowing that I'll be all right, yeah. <laughs> even if I change and that things change over time, but seeing them follow what they know is right for them and finding a way to make money, doing things that make them really happy is, I'd say that's a pretty good inspiration. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so too. And it's, so, you know, they, they've been doing what they've been doing, which is now a role model for you to, you know, kind of evolve and learn and grow as, mm -hmm. uh, so it sounds like those are the life lessons that they've, that they've taught you. That's very cool. Yeah. It's really nice. Awesome. So, uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Um, what, when you look at, um, you know, kind of what your journey has been so far, how would you do you have any advice for uh, others who maybe are feeling in the same boat? Or, I mean, would you say to people, you know what, taking that year and a half was, you know, the best thing you ever did, right? It's actually mm -hmm. you know, going from undergrad and then taking some time and jumping into the workforce, good thing to do. And then now you're back in academia. So kind of give us a sense of a lesson learned and what you would suggest you got out of that. I think for me, it's, making sure that you're doing something. It doesn't have to be the perfect thing, the perfect next step, but I think being stagnant or not doing something that's gonna make you grow or change in some way is the worst thing to do, you know? Cause out of undergrad, it can be really, really, really overwhelming to say, oh, well now I have to enter the workforce. I have to get the right job. I have to set myself up perfectly for the future, which once you get out, you realize nobody really gets that right. So it's going somewhere, doing something, whatever sounds right or feels right to you, just do it because you're going to learn something and it'll steer you in a direction that you're supposed to be going. 
Yeah. Cause it's going to help you in some way. It's going to open a door. It's going to expose you to something mm -hmm. you go, Oh, I thought I liked this. Don't like it. Right. Or, well, and even if it's a no, or if it's like, this isn't the right fit, then at least, you know, it's not the right fit, you mm -hmm. know? And then, you know, you, or maybe it solidifies that you're drawn to something and why you're drawn to it. Mm -hmm. So that it's more important to you than you even knew it was. I mean, it's so interesting that you mentioned that back when you were younger, you didn't want to be a teacher and yet here you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was in your space, but you know, but it's also, it, it, it might end up looking very different than what a traditional teacher or that box that maybe you think uh, people had kind of put you in. Right. Or were trying to put you in. Mm -hmm. Can always change. Yeah. So when you, um, as you were making that decision after undergrad, uh, did you do a lot of uh, information interviews or have you done a lot of information interviews? That's kind of, you know, the networking thing I know is mm -hmm. something that, you know, in business, because I've been, I was in corporate for many years and uh, that was a term that was just like, I don't want to network. Um, yeah. But I need a network. And then, you know, and then I ended up kind of really wrecking or finding a way that networking was really enjoyable for me and now very enjoyable for me. So mm -hmm. um, how are you feeling about all of that? I feel like and I don't know if this directly answers the question, but I feel like I've almost networked in a backwards way. <laughs> like oh, okay. I've, I've been able to put myself in situations where I automatically have access to a network, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like with the programs that I've applied to, there's going to be people there that I'm going to meet that are either there for similar reasons or trying to are trying to figure out the same things that I'm trying to figure out. And I've been able to talk with them. So I guess network in that way. Um, but I have that automatic group of people through this English Opens Doors. I'm pretty sure I'm still in the Facebook group. And then with Fulbright, when I was there in Brazil, I have that network of people if I ever need to tap into it or access them, which I have since um, leaving, which has been really neat. So yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like <laughs> backward networking is probably the, not the best way to put it. But <laughs> no, I like, I like how you're framing this, though, because it sounds like what you did is you didn't just go by yourself to say, hey, I'm going to uh to brazil and i'm going to this is what i'm going to do and i'll find figure it out when i get there you were like no i'll do uh, apply for this fulbright scholarship or for english you know i get what you did is you you actually looked at what programs are there mm -hmm. how might i fit into those and then you automatically have a network once you join that program right because it's attracting vaguely similar people that va like are valuing the same things and sort of looking for the same career or totally not. And in that way, it was really interesting. Cause I met people that came from totally different backgrounds and are like, I'm just taking this year, you know, to get out of corporate life or to, I don't even know X, Y, Z reason. Mm -hmm. um, but that exposed me to what they did as a job, what, why they're, you know, like what they did like and didn't like about what they did. So it was really fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's really amazing. So, you know, I guess that's kind of a lesson learned or a um, maybe an option for people is don't think you have to go it alone and don't think you have to continue right into your graduate, right? You went from mm -hmm. undergrad into these programs. So there are programs that are out there that might be involved in, you know, the area of interest of someone that they should look for these programs. And then that might get them uh, again, moving forward. I, I love what you said about, you know, just do something. Mm -hmm. something where you're learning and growing, uh, meeting new people, doing different things. And then, then it starts to come to you in terms of what, what you, um, what you love or, or what might be that next step. 
Yeah. And I know people have a timeline sometimes, but like I've been gone for a year and a half and I don't, I, it was perfect for me to do that. Some people go right into jobs out of undergrad and that's great, but everybody has a different timeline. So I feel like hearing that maybe it would be good for someone coming out of undergrad. Like you don't have to match up with the stereotypical timeline of a lot of society, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. That's what I'm finding with this um, podcast interviews, especially interviewing folks of your age is there's this, uh, I hear that term. I, how do I find the, the perfect, the right, you know, I've done this degree now, what's the, the right thing that I should step into. And it, you know, how do you figure that? That's part of why we're doing this, right. Is mm-hmm. number one to take, I guess I want more people to hear that everyone's thinking that. So let's just articulate it. And by thinking it, articulating, getting it out there, maybe it becomes less scary and yeah. really just becomes a, Hey, I'm exploring. What might that look like? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I totally agree with that. <laughs> it's nice to hear. So you sound so, um, so confident and, and, and assured of yourself. Um, as, as I'm listening to you and you seem so okay with all of this, but at the same point, I have to imagine that maybe it's because you've already thought about this before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm guessing that there's been some angst at certain points, but maybe you're just at a really good point right now. You're catching me at a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Cause Um, this is what people need to hear is that you know, you, they're going to listen to you and go, oh, she's got it all figured out. See, I, you know, you said, well, wait a minute. She has got it all figured out today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, no. I mean, I doubt's so huge. And I feel like everybody has doubt all the time. It's just a matter of being able to quiet it for just, you know, maybe a couple hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it to just be a thing that you're okay with feeling. So I feel like there's always going to be doubt about something. That's what I try to tell myself, at least. Like, whether it's your career, whether it's, oh gosh, I don't even know. There's so many things to doubt in your life, right? But uh, for me, it's that 80%. If I feel like I'm 80% in the right spot, I'm pretty sure I'm going to learn something, then I can take a deep breath and say, okay, it's going to be fine. (laughs) I'm going to be okay. But I mean, if I'm being honest, when I first got here for my first day of orientation, I called my mom and I said, oh my gosh, am I in the right program? I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I here? So if you had called me like two, a week and a half ago, I would not have been as <laughs> able to take a deep breath and say, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely feel the doubt frequently, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in the right spot. So I'm going to take pretty sure as a good enough answer. Yeah. Well, and is there really a wrong decision at this point? And I guess at any point, no. I guess when I looked at my career choices, um, you know, I was at a point in my career where I was feeling very scratchy. I'd been in my job for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I'd been at that company for 15 years, but I had had like four or five different roles and, you know, had, had grown and learning and all that, but I was feeling very scratchy and anxious about what's next. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I, started, you know, networking, talking to people. I actually found at that particular time, a, um, this women's leadership organization outside Mm. of my company. And it it was the best thing that I did because sometimes I think we get caught in our, um, that our current company should provide all of the opportunities for us. Right. And sometimes you need to go, you know what, this is, I'm, I'm doing a job, I'm getting paid, I'm learning and growing in a certain way. But if I want more than that, maybe I need to look external. And in that case, being then on this um, 
associated with this women's leadership group. I was on the board. Then I was asked to be board chair. I mean, all these opportunities just started to flow as a result of that. And it, and I didn't mm-hmm. have to change jobs and I could still be earning, right. you know, uh, you know, a decent income and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, sometimes it's mm-hmm. amazing that you just have to look in a little different spot uh, mm-hmm. than where you're going to not think you have to keep doing the same thing. Right. And I think that's kind of what I was trying to say with figuring out what's next a little while ago. Like, if I'm teaching in one aspect and then there's something else like you're saying that fulfills my need to travel and my need to expose people to other cultures and teaching helps me feel like I'm contributing to a community and seeing growth in other people, you know, there's, there's other facets to find um, fulfillment, like you're saying. Wow. Well, I, I do think that, that we, we can't necessarily always turn off the doubt, but if we can, if we can um, maybe uh, turn down the volume of mm-hmm. the doubt, uh, that yeah. has been something that has been a, um, a uh, I don't want to say a demon, that's not the right word. It has been something that I have had to overcome. And I've spent a mm-hmm. lot of time on how do I keep working through that, uh, that little voice. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I wish I had been as aware of it as you are at your age. It wasn't until later in life that I became more aware of that that voice wasn't, it was just the voice of doubt. And you know what? There's also the voice of courage and there's the voice Mm -hmm. of you can do this and incur, you know, there's all these other voices and you can, you can program those voices. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And it helps if you can call your mom and your mom can talk you off the ledge. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My mom is literally a godsend. So, (laughs) well, that's awesome. So, uh, what else um, is there anything else that you would want to share with um, you know people who are in the same boat as you or who might be in transition? Let me think of that. Um, I think something that's been important for me that's not directly related to I guess thinking about my career is like finding things that help keep me sane, wow. <laughs> like knowing myself and knowing, okay, if I don't work out, at least five times a week, I'm going to be a crabby person. Or if I don't eat healthy, that's going to make me feel really crappy. Or if I don't sleep enough, you know, being aware of things that are making you the best that you can be to actually deal with things like doubt, to think about your career, to show up every day and actually be able to be yourself. (laughs) Um, I think that's been the most important thing for me or one of the most important things for me over the past couple of years is making sure that I'm, taking care of myself because I think a lot of people don't do that and it's it's so important um especially when you're getting into things like with change new careers anything like that keeping your like running your sets like knowing what you have to do to stay sane (laughs) Mm -hmm. and do you think your um experience as a soccer player has helped you with that? I mean, it, it brought you that you had to eat right in order to be at your best to perform. It brought you discipline mm-hmm. on doing your sets. I mean, is that, do you think that that's something that, because w- what you're describing is most people don't get that until way later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was a blessing and a curse playing college soccer. Mm-hmm. I loved playing college soccer. It was amazing, but it was so structured into my life and I didn't have to think about it. I would just show up, wow. you know, like, uh-huh. I had practice every day. I had games on the weekends. I had to keep a tight schedule. I had to be organized. And then when I got out of college, 
it was on me <laughs> and I had to take myself to the gym and I had to find a group to play with and I had to figure out what would work for me. So I definitely went through highs and lows. I had some points that were very tough <laughs> um, where I felt like I didn't have a place to work out or I took too long to find a gym and it was really bad for me. So yes, I think soccer helped me realize I need that in my life. Um, but after college, I had to figure out how to do it myself. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but at least you knew you missed it and you needed it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a quick realization. Uh, it's funny. My husband and I work out regularly and, and some, a lot of the times together. And sometimes on the weekends we're like, oh, I don't feel like it today. One or the other of us, but the other one always see, seems to rally and we go. And then a hundred percent of the time when you get done, it's like, I'm so glad I did that. We have never yep. left the gym saying, oh, I wish I had stayed on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's <laughs> such a great feeling uh, when you get to, to that, that point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I've been uh, an athlete. I was a, I ran track. I was a gymnast. I played volleyball. I still play volleyball to this day as an adult. Oh, that's and, awesome. And, you know, competed at fairly high levels at different points in my, uh, in my life. And it's been amazing. I did not play in college. Uh, but mm-hmm. I did play at an adult level that was competed at a national level. So it was, it's very fun. But so wow. then I, I get that whole, I'm, I'm an athlete and I don't know that I recognize what that, how that shows up in my life professionally mm-hmm. um, and how I need that physical release and physical activity in addition to all of the mental stuff going on. Right. And I mean, it's definitely different for everyone. Like you're saying, you do volleyball, you do totally different things than what I do. But you found your outlet just like I'm, I'm, I'm working on finding mine. I have a couple different outlets. But uh, finding what works for you and making yourself do it because, like you're saying, in the long run, it, it's never a, oh, I wish I didn't do that. It's always something that's going to benefit you. And I don't think it's ever personally a waste of time. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it depends. It's an afternoon um, in right. terms of the, the release, but you got to get out of, you can't just do a hundred percent of school or a hundred percent of work or yeah, you got to have. No, because then you're hitting highs and lows and you, you want to stay as even as possible. That, yeah. That's my very idealistic goal that I definitely don't hit very frequently. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, Abby, yeah. this has been wonderful. Thank you for sharing your, your path and your journey about where you are today and where you're going. I, think you are setting yourself up for great success because of your personal habits of, you know, this self-awareness, this knowing yourself and understanding yourself. And and that's what I think uh, this life journey is, is all about for all of us, right? Is how do we make those decisions for that next step? So hopefully others will hear this conversation and hear your story and, and recognize themselves in it and maybe take some sort of other action or recognize maybe they're on the right track and, and, and turn down that little voice of doubt as we all have. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much. And listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so that you uh, will be notified of other podcasts going forward. And if you've got any questions for me or for Abby or for future podcasts, please note those on the website and I'll sure to incorporate those questions into the next uh, interview. So thanks again, Abby, and have a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Goodbye.